Hey kids, I'm Michelle Carlo, and you're listening to Fish Out of Agua. We're back with the second season of this show with a slight change in name and format. Going forward, we're going to be known as Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo, as we're not going to be serializing the book since we already did that last season, haha. But what we are going to be doing is focusing on the guest artists, the fishes out of water. The storytellers, performers, writers, artists, filmmakers, educators, and more whose stories and work have been dismissed, discounted, or otherwise ignored by the patriarchy. And if I have to explain what the patriarchy is to you, Lucy, then you're going to be getting an earful here. But, um, hey, I've been a card-carrying member of the New York City Performance Underground since the mid-90s, hopefully carrying on the torch first lit in the 1960s. And listen, if the patriarchy can make their own networks to support their own, then that's what I mean to do here. I've had the pleasure and privilege to perform with some of the most brilliantly deranged people of my generation, many of whom are you going to meet this season. But hey, let me stop blah blah blahing, because what we kind of aim to do this season is go one step beyond. Watch this! This is the heavy, heavy monster sound. The nuttiest sound around. So if you're coming off the street and you're beginning to feel the heat, well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est, rock-steady beat of madness. One step beyond. We're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was One Step Beyond from Madness's 1979 album of the same name. And we are going to open Season 2 of Fish Out of Agua where we left off last time. It's 2007, and life ain't going so well for me. 
I mean, you know, my marriage broke up and then there was a divorce and then, you know, you try to start dating again and you think you need the replacement for what you had before and things don't go so well because you're a mess and you shouldn't be doing, you know what? I should just be quiet and let the story tell you. The name of this story is Dirty Jersey or The Fling, The Rebound, and The Mistake. He was the first man to look at me after my marriage had broken up. He reminded me of the skinny little new wave dance nerds I used to go for back in the 80s when I was in college. And since my ex-husband was a six foot four, 210 pound goth, that was perfect. He was also two years older than me. My ex and every other man I had been with since high school had always been younger than me, so this was perfect too. And plus, he was a working musician. Who presumably, would, who presumably would be doing a lot of music things and we wouldn't get to see each other all that often, which, after being with someone for 14 years, was not only beyond perfect, it edged towards the metaphysical realm of meant to be. And since my ex had made it absolutely clear that he no longer found me a desirable companion on any level, I went for this guy with everything I had. And boy... Did I have a lot stored up? We went on a first date, and then a second, and we made plans for the third. I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I was ready for it. Oh, come on, he invited me to his apartment for dinner, and he was going to make coca van. Hey, I've been to Paris. I know what that dish is. It's a stew made from the long simmering of red wine, shallots, and mushrooms, and an older chicken sometimes even a rooster, hence the cock, which to my carnally deprived mind became cock. <laughs> yes, I was going to go to Hoboken to have cock with wine sauce. Oh, yeah, he lived in Jersey, which to a native New Yorker like me was almost a deal breaker from day one. But he did have that new wave hair thing going on, and he told me I was pretty. A lot. So on a late January Saturday afternoon, I headed out from Brooklyn to my tryst across the wrong river. There were two could-be obstacles to this assignation. One, I had stupidly left my cell phone at work, which oddly I had never ever done before, and which of course the cell phone contained is not quite memorized phone number and a text with his address. But I was confident I remembered it. I mean, he had told it to me three times, and just how hard could it be to find his house? when he said it was just a 10-minute walk from the PATH train. The other, I was hosting a burlesque show that Sunday night and was planning, hoping, on going straight from his house to the show, so I was carrying a large tote bag with a hat made from a functional bong, a bustier, ripped fishnets, a studded thong, and a riding crop. I hadn't yet figured out how, or if, I was going to explain the bag. It had been snowing all afternoon, so I left a little before six for our eight o'clock dinner. I was wearing my long winter coat, a sensible hat and boots, but underneath was a very short dress, some brand new lingerie, and yes, some more ripped fishnets. What can I say? I was going through a phase. As I walked the three blocks to the subway, I noticed that it wasn't just snowing. It was a freaking blizzard. Ooh, maybe we'll be snowed in, I thought. Good thing I left after food out for the cats. 
I have only been to Hoboken a couple of times before, and then always in the company of someone who either lived there or knew where they were going. And because of the snow, by the time I emerged from the path, it was almost 7.30. I gave myself a mental pat on the back for thinking to leave home so early. Too bad I didn't think this way for my day job, where I was always yelled at for being late. But hey, the day job wasn't going to feed me coca van. The day job wasn't going to feed me cock with wine sauce. And that thought helped steal me as I plunged ahead. A half hour later, I was standing on a stoop in the middle of a block in the middle of a Siberian wilderness. Only by the greatest of good fortune did I run into the only other idiot ambulating in the swirling, howling, drifting, blasting, freezing, supernaturally accumulating snow. He was walking a Siberian husky, of course, and told me I was on the right block, but just had to walk two more avenues. Huh, Mr. New Wave Cook was right. He was only a ten-minute walk from the train. If, in fact, one could walk and not slog, slip, stumble, and slide into snowdrift after snowdrift. My sensible coat and hat were drenched. My fish-knitted feet that I had neglected to wear socks over in my sensible boots were frozen. I could feel my makeup had vaporized and my carefully gelled hair had gone with it. But I was there, damn it. And how long was I really going to stay dressed anyway? And so, I rang the buzzer. Another half hour later, I was still on the stoop, howling along with the wind. How could he not be home? I had done everything from ringing all three of the bells to first knocking, then banging, and then kicking and shaking the door. Then I got the idea to throw snowballs at his second floor window. I suck at throwing snowballs. So when that didn't work, I tried yelling his name, but even my big Brooklyn mouth was no match for this devil's wind. In any case, there was no answer. Either I had been stood up or I had gone to the wrong address. And since I didn't have my phone, all I could do was go home. There would be no cook or cock of any kind for me this night. As a final act of desperation, or maybe just because I wanted some proof of what I had suffered, I took the deck of post-its and pen I always carried in my costume bag, in case I needed to take down a booking and I scribbled a note. I was here, and you were not. Added my name, the date, and the time, and stuck it onto the outside of the door. I did not add my phone number, just in case this wasn't his house. Yes, I may have been wearing a suede lace thong. They exist, and I found one. But that doesn't mean I was up for just anyone's cocavan. The walk back to the path train station, which an hour before had been a hard yet cheerful trek of anticipation, was now a, an exodus of misery and defeat. There was no traffic. What could possibly drive through this? And it was nearly pitch dark. Every other streetlight seemed to have gone out. The streets were empty of all living things except me, and as the sidewalks were no longer navigable, I decided to try walking in the street. And the snow kept blowing, and the wind kept howling, which is perhaps why I did not see, or hear, the snowplow. No, I was not hit by a snowplow. If I had been hit by a snowplow, snowplow, you would not be listening to my voice right now on Radio Free Brooklyn with Fish Out of Agua. However, I had been knocked off my feet by the monster snowdrift pushed by the plow. 
and into the bumpers of two cars landing in between them. I wasn't totally buried, but it was pretty damn close. I lay there on my back, a dull throb in my left hip, and one booted, torn, fishnetted leg stuck straight up in the air. I closed my eyes for a second and imagined just giving up and going to sleep. I actually began to feel a strange warmth creep over me. But then I noticed that even though I had almost suffered the ignominy of death by snowplow, I hadn't even let go of my costume bag. And the thought of my Catholic Pentecostal mother's face when told her newly single daughter's frozen corpse was discovered in the middle of a New Jersey street, clad in leather underwear, torn stockings, and clutching a bag that contained a functional bong hat and a riding crop. Somehow gave me the strength to get up and get out of there. It was after 10 p.m. by the time I got home. The cats didn't even notice, like they knew I wasn't going to be getting any. The first thing I did was cry. The second was to turn on my computer and go to www.whitepages.com to look up that new wave cockfucker's number, and if I found it, oh, he was going to get a piece of my mind. Both pieces. He was listed. I called. He answered. And as soon as he knew who it was, he started yelling at me. Why didn't I show up? Why didn't I call? Why didn't I return his calls? He had been cooking all day. How could I be so inconsiderate? Blah, 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 blah. Wait a second. Me? Inconsiderate? I left my phone at work, okay? How could you not answer the door? I went all the way to your house in a blizzard and rang doorbells and threw snowballs and I almost got ran over by a snowplow. No way. I was home. I heard nothing. Yes way. You live on blah, blah, blah street and blah, blah, blah avenue. I don't believe you. You're a... Oh, yeah? Go downstairs and look at your door. I left you a note. Yeah, right. All right. Hold on. I could hear him clomp down the stairs muttering, clunk, 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 clunk. A different man came running up ten seconds later. Oh, my God. You poor thing. I tried all the bells. They must be frozen. And none of my neighbors are home. And you got hit by a snowplow? Are you all right? Oh, was I going to milk this? Well, kind of. I'm all bruised up. And there's no food in the house and I'm hungry. But I'll be okay. What's your address? But I, I live in Brooklyn. It's a blizzard. Yes, it was still snowing. I'm not kidding. What's your address? I told him. I'll see you in an hour. Mr. New Wave Coke must have had some superpowers because dude not only caught the last bus to the path train, and where was that when I had been on the Jersey Death March, and he had found the only functioning taxi in New York City at 6th Avenue and 9th Street. And at the stroke of midnight, he stood in my kitchen with two Tupperware containers full of coca vine. We ate off each other's <coughs> plates all night. <laughs> the next morning I woke up first and saw that the Martin fryish poof I had so admired was an artfully arranged web covering a pinkish bald spot. Remind you of anyone? 
But hey, I'm not 25. I wasn't 25 anymore either, right? So I let it go. But to tell you the truth, except for the fact that he came all the way to Brooklyn in the blizzard, he wasn't all that nice. He ignored me when I said my left side was sore. And now that I looked at the bruises running from my left hip to my mid-thigh, I couldn't be sure whether or not I should let that go. But hey, this was the first person I had sex with that wasn't my ex since 1990. So I let it go. We were snowed in for that day and night and we finished up the coca van. Usually, this dish improved with second and third helpings. This one didn't. But I really wanted to have a boyfriend. So I let it go. Only it was me who got let go a couple of weeks later. I remember he broke up with me the Monday after Valentine's Day. And of course I tried to get back with him because I was an idiot and a mess and totally not over my real breakup and should not have been allowed near anyone. Luckily for me, he didn't return the five phone calls and seven emails. Well, maybe double that, but hey. I say I'm lucky because I don't hate the dude. Because that's what it means to be in single in New York. Fuck. Sometimes you get fucked. And you learn. But sometimes, the coca van looks better than it really is. Sometimes, what you need isn't the replacement. Sometimes what you need to replace is a piece of yourself.
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Razorblade Alley, also from Madness, and their 1979 album of the same name. And we're about to start season two off with our first guest artist of the week. Woohoo! He's an educator and a cartoonist, and if you haven't been noticing, we have a little bit of a ska two-tone theme here. I wanted to actually call this the bad manners episode, and when you hear the last story that I just read, you're like, yeah, some dudes have some bad manners. Not Phil, obviously. <laughs> well, I haven't ever gone out with him, so I don't know. Ha ha ha. Anyway, let's segue into this segment by playing one of Phil's favorite songs from the band Bad Manners, and it's called Feel Like Jumping. It's so simple. Feel like jumping.
Now it's time for Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist Interview of the Week. And I have yet another art star for you this week. Well, a friend of art stars, definitely. I met him, I think, around the Y2K days with um, a guy named Peter and a Yes, a guy named Peter and a girl named Marie. I was doing stuff in my Karma Fungo days for Peter's um, MNN TV show, and uh, Phil was there. So welcome um, to Fish Out of Agua, cartoonist. Educator and TV show oh, author yeah, person sure. Phil Dijon, otherwise known as Checkerboard Phil. Oh, it's just Checker Phil. I'll just okay. leave it at that. Hi, everybody. This is Phil calling in, representing, and I just wanted to say it is an honor to be here. You know what? When I first met Carmen, I thought like you know, like I, I heard her shtick that it was like a Monfongo thing, and I was like, oh great, I'm hungry. I love Monfongo. I'm coming down to check her out. But then I found it was just a person that didn't have any Monfongo with her, and I was I was very sad. But but she did have uh, amazing things to say, and uh, I tell you, fantastic, funny. Funny Thank woman. you. Thank you. Thank and you. witty. Yes, funny and witty. Yes. And smart. Yes. And er erudite. Erudite. Whoa. And hey, that, eloquent, that, that, eloquent. Those words are too big for me. Remember, I'm an art teacher, not an yeah. English. Oh, person. you know, Carl yeah. Fungo had sass, class, and fundillo. Oh, yeah, see? I hear what you're saying there. So, okay. so Phil um, is, a, is a Haitian Rican. Yes, I am Haitian Rican. That means I'm Puerto Rican and Haitian both. Um, yes, much, much like Basquiat, if you remember him. Um, his. Uh, Did you know Basquiat? No, of course not. The main point is. Well, of course not. You, you're all the same age. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what they always say? <laughs> Hey, uh, yeah, hey, you, this person's sort of Haitian. Do you know this person? Everybody's just assuming <laughs> naturally, kind of, kind of like a kind of Trump. Like, yeah. hey, you, you, you know this person? You know, set up a meeting with them. Really, seriously? Is that what you're really asking me? I, I get that too. Like somebody once said to me, oh, I, I have, I have a friend that's a redheaded Puerto Rican. Do you know them? Like, I know every fucking redheaded Puerto Rican in, in the United States. It could happen. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah, you know what? They, they, there should be a, a kind of a, a, a kind of a, like what's, what's it called when a, like a meetup group for just everybody, just like the, you know, 
Uh, is there New York, New York gingers? Well, how do we say that in gingers? Is there a word for that? Is there... The gingers? I don't know. Yeah. This is colorada. Colorada. Oh, okay, yes. Go ahead, you know. I dig that. So, um, back in the Y2K days, you, mm -hmm. you were doing a lot of stuff with Rev Jen. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, um, actually, and, and uh, the Trachtenberg, the Trachtenbergs had a, a Rachel Trachtenberg, the daughter of the Trachtenbergs, when they were doing their Trachtenberg family slideshow, they, they actually had a live show that they would do in different venues, and it was just really cool kind of kids thing, and they asked me would you like to come in there and do some like art things with the little kids and it was like little kids but there was also adults there too everybody coming and checking out the show and then um, they eventually did a, a, I guess a treatment for the show and then they, they did that but but you know what actually the band expanded because now uh, Rachel's doing her own band she mm -hmm. has a rock band called wooing and then the the family are doing their own thing they, yeah they, Tina's they, doing her mother pigeon stuff Jason's doing his own music he's, he's got bands and oh don't forget he also has a, a play a play Dr. Glassheart yep. and he also has a show on on, on Radio Free Brooklyn yes. representing too oh my god it's like Radio Free Brooklyn is like getting all the art stars to do their shit it's amazing you know what this is this is the, the last bastion of free speech is here now I mean quick before it's stomped out just saying yeah gotta represent talk quick talk fast talk yeah, exactly. So, um, I want to know about your trajectory to becoming an educator. So, I just found out that you had just become a teacher when we first were first um, we first met and like did art shit together. Yes, that's around, the, that's around the turn of the century. Yes, you know what? Once upon a time, I used to work in a photo lab. I used to be there, and I, I worked my way up all the way to the manager of the photo lab. Actually, everybody from the photo lab ended up like you know quitting and going on to bitter stuff. But for me, I was the guy that was still around. So I became the manager of the thing, and then I moved from there on to. Um, what was that called? Uh, photo retouching. And I was doing that photo retouching mm. thing. And they kept on saying, you know what? This E6 thing, which is slides, if you do, if you remember E6 and RA4 slides, um, where they used to retouch those back in the days. And they said, you know, this thing isn't going to last. Actually, C41 process is going out. So eh, you might want to start looking into the computer stuff upstairs. So I went up to the computer people, showed them my um, resume and stuff like that. I did some cartoon stuff in, in there. They showed it. And I'm like, mm, OK. So then I started doing retouching for there. You know, jump before you. Jump before you're pushed. So then, jump before you push. Yeah, and so I started working for a company for doing that for a while, and then slowly but surely that started sapping up. Or, or, or you know, what that the same old story where the company starts people bringing in uh, different people, and it's like a new manager has just bought it, and here's our people that we're going to start training. And you know what? And I knew what the deal was. My mom was an educator for a long time. Yeah, and you grew up with a teacher in the house. Yes, so I did. So you couldn't be stupid. No, 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 please. And anytime that I did anything you bad, be you not at all. Be, mira, you could not be a stupid. Exactly. No, it's stupid for me. So what so, happens is anytime I was bad in class, uh, you know, my mom, uh, you know, they, they would just get my mom from the class down the hall and I, it would be it. And she would just stick her face in and wait, go. Wait, the same school? Yeah. Your you, mom taught you, at the same school you went yeah, to? Where was, was this? Yeah, that was no fun. Uh, that was PS91 in the Bronx. When you I grew up in the Bronx too? Yeah. Go on, yeah, man. Heck yeah. I used to represent down on 183rd Street and Andrews Avenue. Oh, you know, snap. that right off University. Echo Park. Uh, no, I don't know if that necessarily Echo Park. Or but there's a, Echo, there was a park around there where people used to get like like drug drugs. Oh, please. That, that, that was everywhere in the and Bronx. Then you were talking about Bronx in the 70s. Yeah, right around exactly. The time of, of, exactly. Of Star Wars and, and, and The Wiz. Remember when The Wiz was big in 1978? I remember. Huh? I, I totally I was just listening to that. Oh, please. Don't I, nobody I, bring I, me no I, bad news. I just went through this whole thing where I was telling people that in my, and I went to Lehman High School and we oh, had, sure. and you know, most people have like proms and homecoming dances yep. and shit. We had Kill Whitey Day and Kill Black and Puerto Rican Day. Oh, God. What With the, the gang. Oh, my goodness. With the, oh, yeah, please. 
Like really? Well, you know what? I went you to, never knew that. Well, let me level with you. I went to uh, originally. Before, then you must be younger than me. But going before going to PS ninety one, I went to um, what was it called? I, I went to Saint Nicholas of Tolentine. You know those initials S N O T. Seriously, and then people mm -hmm. would make fun of you. They say, "Oh, look, you got snot on your tie. You got snot on your tie." Seriously, dude. Like I haven't heard that one in, like a million times. S N O T on my tie. Come on now, be kind. Uh, yeah, I know. But then from there, you know, it was so funny because, uh, you know, we could, we couldn't afford the tuition, and then they, guess what? It was back to public school for me. But it was okay because my mom worked in there, and not that that made it any better for me. But you know what? It was all good. You know, I was a fat kid with glasses, getting bullied, and things like that. It was just part of the part of the deal, part of the the live in the Bronx lifestyle, I guess. I mean, I, I guess I don't know the, hmm. the vida loca. Yeah, yeah, it was very much the vida loca. So what was what were some of the things that you were doing with your cartooning back oh, in the day? Back in the days, well, when I was a little kid. I was sitting there uh, drawing comic books on, on a notebook paper folded in half and pen and ballpoint pen. <laughs> well, that's before I started doing that stuff. But then I started, uh, you know, as I grew up, I, you know, I did zines and things like that. And so you, went, you went to music and art, right? I did go to music and art high school. That was a yo, M&A, running strong, you know. So back then, the days, they used to have our school separated, us and performing arts. We used to be separated as, as separated birth. to be in the fame school. Yes, the fame, uh, yes. And then they brought us together in one big school called LaGuardia School of the Arts. Fantastic idea. And of course, they moved us all into the school, and the school was totally half finished. You know, there was like asbestos falling from the ceiling and all that stuff. But we were happy to be there. You know what I see? You know, as a high school teacher, as an educator, you see so many people and being like, I hate my school. Screw this school. F this school. You know, our school, you know, I'm just speaking for myself uh, as a person that went to LaGuardia School of the Arts. Um, you know, everybody in that is in our school, they always told us, you're gonna come to school early, you're gonna leave school late, you're gonna have to do a whole bunch of extra things to, you know, maintain high grade in the school, you're gonna be having to do uh, uh, museum reports and all sorts of things, and you know what? I loved it. I love that school. I would take a bullet for that school. Lots of people, and you ask anybody in there, they would do the same. Just saying. Well, I try. I tried to get into A and D when they had the co-op test. Oh, okay. Um, art and design. Let's yeah. keep it. My mom art went to art and design. Yeah. yeah. And in eighth grade, back back in the day, they uh -huh. they called them the co-op tests. Oh, yeah. And the test to get into the specialized high school. Yes. But I had the mumps the day of the test. The thanks, mumps. Thanks to my little brother who was in uh, fifth grade. Didn't they do that thing where you get the mumps and they throw all the kids together in one spot so everybody gets the mumps? Well, and back in back in those days, there was no makeup. So if you missed the test, you missed it. And the only other school that I passed was Bronx Science. Bronx and Science. I was, and I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to be a douchebag. I don't want to. I don't want to be with these smart kids. I want to do art, not science. So my, my parents are, you have to go to the school. And like, I was like, well, let me go to Stuyvesant. My father's like, no, you're not going to go to Manhattan. And I was oh, like, oh, Manhattan. So like, it was better for me to take two buses and two hours of a ride than to, to take the six train down the 14th Street because Stuyvesant was by Union Square back then. What? What stuff? Oh, stars. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. right. But anyway, that was where the ice school that is. Was not a, a lot of that, that was not an option that. for me because it was too late for me to take the Stuyvesant test at that point. So I ended up going to Lehman. Lehman. Where basically I majored in uh, getting my ass kicked. Ouch, that hurts. I had hurt. Yeah. So um, what what led you to be an educator? An educator? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I remember uh, the good doing, like I said, the the, the the retouching stuff. That was that was all well and good, and um, it was getting kind of like you know. Did you go to art school? I did. Well, Which I told one? you I went to music and art high school. No, and no, I went to Par well, Parsons. Parsons College of Design. Did, you didn't have Tim Gunn though. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I always asked. I had Martin that. Solomon and a couple of other really, really serious folks there. Marvin Hoshino and a, a oh. really good, 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 I'm solid. An, I'm uh, an SVA person. Okay. Myself. You know, I took some classes at SVA. I studied under the tutelage of Carmine Infantino. God rest wow. his soul. If you know him, great guy that uh, created uh, some of the special signature looks of the Flash and a lot of other stuff that they're still using now. Some serious good comic books. 
book stuff, famous for drawing hands and things like that. Ah, I'm just going on there. But, yeah, but uh, I just love that kind of stuff. But I also took a, a animation courses at SVN and stuff like that. But also, not only did I um, do uh, uh, Parsons, but I also uh, got my... Uh, Masters of Education. Oh, snap. Yes. Masters. Yes, yes, yeah, please. Oh. I, I got it from Mercy College, actually. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, back you, then. You, you, like, educated and yes, shit. Yes, I am. You know, it, the funny part is I had a 4.0, and it's so funny. I graduated with distinction, and I remember telling somebody, I graduated with distinction from Mercy College, and somebody said, ah, Mercy College, that 4.0 is like good 3.5, and it's a place else. I was like, oh, oh, oh. haters going to hate. So you're an artist, and you're teaching art to high school students. What grade? No, oh, I teach uh, high school schoolers from, let's see, from, uh, I'll say, ninth grade to uh, to high school. I mean, to ninth grade to seniors. Oh, okay, to seniors. So, so, so 9 to 12. 9 to 12, 9 to 12, but okay. some middle school thrown in there. I get a little of everything. All right, so we're not going to mention the exact school, but what borough are you in? Uh, we are representing Harlem. Oh, okay. So the, I'm going to make the assumption that most of your students are fellow people of color. Um, I would assume that, uh, according to the thing, is... Because, uh, the, because the... the Youngins that live there aren't old enough to be in high school yet. The gentr the children of the gentrifiers. Oh, funny that you mention that. Um, you know, the main point is yes. Um, our school is primarily um, people of color. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Is this a fancy? Is this fancy water you got me? You got me burping. Yeah, I got him some San Pellegrino. He's getting all bubbly. Oh, I hope they give you a plug for this thing. Watch out with the sound effects, Phil. Mm. So, um, I want to know about your trajectory. Like, what made you want to be a teacher? And, like, what ah. do you find with your students? And how do you think it's cha anything has changed over the, the decade and a half or so that well, you've been teaching? Like I said, um, originally, uh, when I first came in, my, my, my things were totally different things. Um, when I first came in, it was self-preservation. I came from a kind of a teaching Family. My mom taught. My mom was actually a paraprofessional who was on her way to become an art teacher. Went to was taking uh, classes at Bronx Community College, so she could become get her master's and become a, an art teacher. And also, I had family that also were educational uh, too. And they kept on saying, "Oh, you should. I, I ho, you should be going for 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 school for becoming a teacher because you know what? They have health insurance and they have this and mm. that. You know, they got the summers off and they got that thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's all well and good and stuff like that. And also, my mom was always giving back to the community, giving back to the community. I would be there in the hallways with the little kids that want to draw, and I would come out and show them how to draw. And like my mom would say, you know, you're not so happy with this other job that you're doing here, but you're sitting there drawing with the kids. Why don't you do something with that? You could do that. You could do that for a living and be happy with that. And you know what? <laughs> um, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's a challenge because once you start uh, uh, drawing with large rooms of kids, like say 33 or something like that, you'll you'll notice it's quite a different uh, thing. Wow. I mean, do you take like a conceptual approach with your students? Do you do like a hands-on approach? Do you do like life drawing classes? Like, um, I'm, 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 depends, I'm really interested. It depends the thing. Um, like, how do you how do you like um, not absorb them like like uh, expose them to like opening up their mind with the wonderful world of art? I mean, well, it's it's so many different things that I've seen over the over the many years and years and years that I've been teaching as a as a as a teacher. Um, I've taken kids to museums and showed them stuff like that, and they seem to be very interested in medieval art. They like the medieval art. Like, wow, that stuff is really wild. Yo, what's up with those weapons? Seriously. Oh, of course. Kids like weapons. And they like metal. Yeah, they like weapons and they like metal. So they kind of really, really gravitated towards that. I remember when I went to the medieval place in um, the, uh, collection, the cloisters. In the, I, it was either the cloisters or the Met, but I, they had like King Henry VIII's armor, uh -huh. and he was like a short, fat dude. Yeah, he was extremely, extremely. He was extremely rotund, and he was like smaller than me, and I'm like five foot four. Really? Barely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They, they didn't eat well in those days, I don't think. 
So tell me about um, are you preparing any of your students? To, any of your students like go to art colleges? I mean, do you is this like some of the only art stuff that the kids get? How do they respond to it? Well, you know what? Ed, I mean, I, I know everybody's different. Yes, yes. And is your school like a success dif academy or is it like a regular public? No, school? it's a regular regular high school. Okay. It's no no uh, you know I have very very large opinions on uh, that of charter schools and stuff like that, but you know. It is what it is. The main thing is uh, a lot of uh, charter schools don't pay rent, and you know, yeah. and yeah. you know it, the it, arguments can be made for it all day, and I will not bore you with that stuff. It's it's well, it's, the thing that yeah. I. As an uneducated person, the thing that I seem to see is that um, the charter schools are not as inclusive as a regular public school has to be. Well, yeah, it has to be. And has the main point is, like, if a kid acts out or is, acts right. bad or something like that, we have to keep the kid in the school right. and stuff like that. While in uh, that of another school, yeah. they could just merely just boot the kid out and be like, oh, this kid is not effective, is not effective, is not good, is not doing well. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. But just pouring them into that that school to jail pipeline, just go right ahead and just put them... The school you know, to jail pipeline. And you know what? It keeps on uh, yes. setting yes. them up for failure. Oh, I wish we had failure. another 20 minutes. Setting them up for failure constantly and constantly doing that. I know. But the, but the main thing is... Do you think the art helps? Yes, yes. You know what? I've seen kids that were long-term absences, absentees, and they started coming around to school because they wanted to come do art. You know, they started getting interested. There was this artist that I knew that she was so talented, so talented, and everybody used to crowd around her art, and she and they they urged her to come show me her artwork, and she showed it to me, and I just said, "You need work on your hands." Her face fell, <laughs> but you know what? She she she'd been around so many people, being yes people, telling her that she's awesome, she's awesome, she's awesome, and she was awesome. But you know what? She needed help on her hands, and that's what I I offered. You know, ways that one can get better. I always say I could take a good person and make them better, and take a person that can't draw and, and make them draw. Because the main point is to to create art. You don't have to be awesome. Who is to say what is good? Who is to say what is bad? The main point is you're making creative. something. You're creating something. Yes. You're, you're tapping into that area that's greater than your than your corporeal self. Yes, I'm yes. all about do that. Do you do you have um, any? Uh, you know of any kids that have gone on to become artists after they graduated? And did any of your students keep in touch with you? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Some of my friends, uh, my not my friends. Some of my students hit me up on Facebook, and and they uh, I get this one. This is my favorite one. Um, Yo, Mister. I sorry. I used to be. Yo, Mister. Yo, yo, <laughs> actually, Yo, Mister. Eugene. I'm sorry. Ooh, that I used to be such a douche in class, and and uh, I'm much better now. And Aww. thank you. I really appreciated your art class, Aww. and I'm sorry I acted bad when I was in your Aww. class. And I was just like, oh, dude. All right. You Have know. any of them gone on to to um do art at the collegiate level? Yo, I've seen. And, so. and there's girls too, right? Yes, yes, okay. girls and guys and everybody and and people of all different races yes. and colors. And I've seen some some knock out amazing art amazing painters I mean seriously their stuff like kills and you know that is one of the things kind of like a Jedi Knight you expect somebody to go on and do better than you and that is the main thing yes. of course as a teacher yes. sometimes you have that little bit of jealousy going on but you, you have to set those things aside just like any of your children you want your children to do better than you you want everybody to go on to do better than you you want people to be able to express themselves better than you and you want them to go on because this world it's a cruel world and you want them to to, to, to have all the chances that they have to be able to express themselves and to let other kids know that everything's going to be okay. It might be a crazy fantasy, but, you know, for now, yeah, it still works. So let me ask you this, this um, last question. What yes. is your greatest fear now, being an educator in the current... <clears throat> 
number 45 administration. Okay, okay, um, okay. What, I, I what, see what you're saying on that What one. do you think, um, what, what, what's your greatest concern? Let's say, that's, I don't like the word fear. What are your concerns and what are your hopes? All right, I'll start with concerns. For, for the next few years. Okay, concerns. Um, the, only, the only thing I would like not to happen is I would not like to get pulled into a war. I don't want all my students to get uh, killed, drafted, yeah. drafted, and killed. Right. Because, I mean, I, never, I, never mind cutting funding for the arts. People oh, yeah, yeah. say that right yeah. away. I've, but I've worried but, about that, too. People... Artists gonna art. Right. People gonna make art no right. matter They'll, what. They will figure and, it and out. You know what? They will find if, a place. If, if uh, you know, resisting and, and all these stuff, it's fueling people to become more artistic. It's fueling people. I mean, like the stuff on Saturday Night Live and things like that. People are becoming, their brains are becoming fired up and wanting to do stuff and wanting to, to lash out and create in these innumerable, fantastic, beautiful ways. Keep on. But, but with, I just would not like a war. I, there's so many kids out there, and they they don't even know what they're. No, and they'd be know. the first ones to get freaking drafted. Yeah, and you know what? I don't want kids to die over some stupid reason, so that you know somebody's agenda of some future um, thing to cull, you know, the poor by yes. putting them a war yes. and there's, killing off the middle class, well, there's, uh, doing all these horrible things. There's always a war. I mean, when my dad was young in sure. the 1950s, mm -hmm. he he didn't graduate high school, so he ended up joining the National Guard, mm -hmm. and that saved his life because they started drafting for the Korean War. Mm -hmm. And where did they get all all the boys from Spanish Harlem, all right. the boys from Albania? He had five friends die in Korea, mm -hmm. and him yeah. and his brother lived because they were in in the National Guard. Yeah, my dad was in Vietnam. Believe me, it was no joke. And it's no friggin' joke. And mm -hmm. they they did. They they went straight to where we were, and they just culled us out. No, and to be fair, they got they got they got poor Caucasian boys too and yeah. it, it was an economic thing more than anything yeah, but else we, we didn't see no senator's sons in there you no, know what I'm saying you know what no, over there yes. no, but the main point is so what, what's your what's your biggest hope for going forward with the teaching and everything going forward oh in in general what I what I see now is a lot of people wanting to get more political a lot of people wanting to get involved a lot of people are 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 more interested instead of in sitting there and playing xbox all day kids uh, want to know what's going on. Everybody wants to know what's going on. Never before, you know, this whole life, everybody's sitting there. So, you know, the term woke. Everybody's getting woke right now because people, they, they see so many lies going on, all these things. We don't want to see lies. We don't want to, you know, people want to get involved. We want to be able to, that's why I love shows like this where people talk the truth. They, you know, shows that you'll, you'll hear on Radio Free Brooklyn. Everybody's talking the truth quick before they shut us down by the lies of saying that we're fake news and stuff like that. You know, they want to start doing that. You know, just keep doing it. Keep finding the truth. You know, the well, underground will always exist. Well, the we've, we've gone over time. Exist. We've gone over time. So Sorry. I, I, got, I got to shut the, I got to the party down. Yeah. Silencing you. This, is, this has been Michelle Culver, Fish Out of Agua with Phil Dijon. Phil, you're a hero. If I had the money, I'd pay you Alex Rodriguez wages. Hold it. Can I, can I just quickly plug Quick. it? Checkerboard Kids, represent. Oh. You just look, you know, look up Checkerfoe or Checkerboard Kids anywhere and you'll see what I do. I'll leave it at that. Enough said. Bye. Bye. Hey, Checker Phil, I'm sorry I had to cut you off. I originally had recorded this interview to run last season in season one, which I thought ended now on uh, May 16th, which really ended on May 9th. So, and in this season, it's fine. We can go on and on and on and on and on. So yes, Checker Phil Dijon and his checkerboard kids. And here's another one of the songs that uh, he chose to play on the show today with him and it is called uh celebrate the bullet by the selector
You're listening to Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. If you like what you hear on this show or any of other of the new shows that we have on Season 5 or any of the returning shows, did you know that you can sponsor us with Patreon? Oh yeah, you can sponsor any show on Radio Free Brooklyn, even mine, Fish Out of Agua, for as little as $1 per episode. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, go to the main homepage, and you'll see a little green button that will take you to the Patreon page, and it'll take care of the rest. Or, if you want to sponsor <clears throat> Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo, just go to the Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo show page on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, and click on the little green button that says Sponsor This Show. There are many different levels, and you get prizes and good things. You could do it for as little as a dollar per episode. That's like the price of a rotten, icky pizza slice. <laughs> so we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to close out with some music and come back next week with some more guest artists and some more stories and some more surprises. And what are these surprises, you might ask? <laughs> they're so surprising that I don't even know what they're going to be yet. Because, hey... You know, we just make this up as we go along and we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we love doing this for you. So we are going to close with um, two songs. Another one from Bad Manners called Lip Up Fatty and I Confess by The English Beat. 
Stay tuned for Brooklyn Bandstand next, and we'll see you next week. Cause I didn't care to laugh, find out that one of them was mine